Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour, Silver 7's. John Von Tobel is here. John, what is the worst team, worst organization that you root for? It's got to be the Angels, right? Okay. So the Colts are pretty bad, but at least they had a Super Bowl in 2006. It's closer than the last World Series. and You will get to a point, maybe you won't, but you could get to a point where you just lose so much hope in the Angels that you almost want stories to come through as a sports talk host that at least you get some enjoyment out of it, even if your organization just continues to fail. I know that's a weird setup, but I'm just going to read you this. And I've said this a million times about Vegas being sports Siberia, that people refuse to talk to people on the ground here and find out really what's going on with teams, organizations, and players. The lack of information outside the market on the full Derek Carr story is still amazing. Mm -hmm. Adam Shine, who does... Radio out of New York for Sirius XM. Good host. I just see a tweet. Shine discusses what he believes is next for Derek Carr. First of all, he said he's an all-time great Raider, which, my God, you'd have a full-scale brawl over that one between the car stands and the, uh, the car. I'm not going to say haters, but those who don't believe in car. But Adam Shine goes on to say, I think he'd be perfect for the Jets. Adam Hill is with us. Adam, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. But you know, you know, I've 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 said repeatedly that car to New York is a disaster for car, but I don't think Camp Car realizes it. I, I'm now hearing it so much that Derek Carr is perfect for the Jets in New York that I think I actually want it to happen. I don't even I don't even care if they win. I just want to see the story for a couple of years. I mean, I would love it. I think it would be great. I don't know that it would last a couple of years. I think it would end very quickly. <laughs> I don't know that that would work. Um, I mean, there's lots of reasons. One, I, I mean, uh, playing outside in the wind and cold, probably not the greatest thing. And I don't know how he would go over in the New York market. I mean, in fact, I mean, I have a feeling how he'd go over, but I don't think anybody knows until they actually see it. I think it would be a very, very quick uh, and abrupt uh, wake-up call for, for Mr. Carr. Would David Carr then go on TV and complain about the New York Jets afterwards? Right. Of course. I mean, well, and he'll say, I mean, would he go on and say this is a perfect situation with a perfect coach? Right. Um, at one, you know, one week, and then, you know, several weeks later say uh, it's a complete disaster and he was set up to fail. Yeah, I mean, these, uh, yeah that would probably happen. The uh, New Jersey, New York media and fans are just, they're unrealistic. Yeah, they are. But, you know, if you need to go there to find that out, have at it, guys. Enjoy it. So you just mentioned wake-up call, which we'll, we'll, we'll file away for a second. Boy, today's been interesting, Adam. We, uh, you know, we covered a little bit of Dana White and the incident in Cabo, the head of the USC video on TMZ. Of, Wait, uh, what, what happened? His uh, wife struck him. He fired back and then was stopped from I don't know what he was going to do next. He went on TMZ, made a statement. We played the statement. And it's really been quiet for a couple of days. And then we see a story tomorrow about a slap fighting league, which we'll get to. And ESPN finally had some personality speak on the topic. I know you saw the video. Uh, what did you think of first take with Stephen A. and Molly Karam talking about Dana White, who they both said, hey, they know him well and they consider him a friend? 
Yeah, I thought it was really weird. I, I thought, you know, when I watched it last night, I just kind of was confused. Um, it seemed to me like they were answering people that said they're not talking about it by talking about it. But they're talking about it was, hey, we're talking about it. And then that, that's it. Is that, yes, people said we're scared to talk about it, but here we are talking about it. But the only discussion they had was the fact that they're going to talk about it. Like, they didn't actually take a stand or make a statement or a suggestion or it really it was just, it was like, hey, we're, we're here talking about this thing. Like, yeah, but you're not saying anything. I saw an ESPN writer, Jeff Wagenheim, said that uh, they were told not to write anything incendiary on social media. Um, he then sort of retracted it but didn't delete the initial tweet and said, well, it, I was talking about just not writing anything incendiary, period, not just specifically to Dana White. What do you think is going on at ESPN? Well, I mean, it's, it, it's even far beyond a partnership. I mean, it's not even you know a partnership at this point because you could say like the NFL and the NBA and things like that are partners with the UFC. I mean, they are... They are fully invested in the success of the UFC and in and, and Dana White. And I think, um, you know, that's what happens with a lot of corporations and a lot of, uh, a lot of these intertwined, uh, you know, business dealings uh, where, you know, it is, it is against your best interest to, to say something. Like, I, I don't even know if you can blame ESPN at this point for it. I mean, that's what they are. And I think at least you know that they, you know, that they're part of it and they're, they're partnered with them and, I think you could be left to wonder if we didn't know some of the connections between them of like, wait, what is going on here? We know what's going on here. And, and it's not it's not good for uh, people. It's not good for information. It's not good for any of that, those things. But um, we understand that that's the deal that they have between them, and we know why it's been very quiet. And let's also not forget, like, you know, not that anybody is, not that anybody would ever say, like, it's a, a blessing or anything like that, but the sports world has been very, very distracted in a, in, in a way that they should be this week. Like, other things don't really matter. And and I, I get why that is, and that, I think that's, that's actually true. Like, life and death are much more important than that. Um, do we have the bandwidth to talk about multiple things? Sure. But I think that the, the fact that the sports world is very, very focused on something that's very, very real and very, very important uh, has been a benefit in terms of people that want that story to not get much attention. I get what you're saying on that, right? So we want to talk about DeMar Hamlin and then talking X's and O's football. All right, X's and O's football can take a little time away here, but the way you were just describing that, domestic violence is a pretty big topic. Of course. Yes, it is. But and I that's mean, the alarming the, the alarm thing is for that to be shelved for a couple of days, and then we see the comments by Stephen A. and Molly Karam today uh, backing Dana White and talking about knowing him. And, you know, basically saying, hey, they believe him in what he said. And then within, you know, hours, we see Chris Beard fired by Texas. I, it, I'm not saying it's a similar incident, but it is a domestic uh, violence issue. It's just this week has been really weird with the coverage of the story. Sure has. And I, I, I also think Texas probably took advantage of the news cycle, too, um, to, to do this today, to make this decision today and put it out there. Um, but... Look, it's not it's not an excuse for anyone, but I think if you have you know an hour show or if you have a two hour show, how much are you going to dedicate to Dana White and how much are you going to dedicate to Demar Hamlin? And I think that that is part of part of what has gone on. I think for sure. And the other part is the business deals that are that are out there. And 
Um, and, and I think there is another part of, and this is, this is kind of crazy to even say, like I think there's a part of, you know, of an expectation factor of like, oh, yeah, Dana White, Dana White runs this awful, violent thing that is a disgusting organization and sport that nobody uh, thinks is real, you know, mainstream. And, uh, you know, that's what he's expected to do, which is an awful, awful thing. But I think that a lot of times, in, in many cases, we get, you know, we fall into what the expectations are of certain people, and you're like, oh, well, that's the thing. And there's the, there's the people out there that are defending it to the level of, hey, she hit him first, which is another thing that I think you would probably say you just haven't watched it. Um, but there's all these different factors that are in place, too. But I think the biggest thing is just the bandwidth that people have of what they're covering and talking about this week. So we, we've kind of covered different angles of this, why it's being covered the way it is. What, what about MMA media in general, Adam? Because I think that's also part of this, right? Like, it's, it is a, it's not the usual type of media that covers mixed martial arts. There's not dedicated beat writers like there are to teams. There's not traditional journalists covering that. Still a lot of blogs, right? And a lot of people that are in a traditional background such as yourself. How much does that kind of contribute to where we're at? Because there's quite a few people in that bubble that are still kind of tied to UFC itself, whether it's relationship or paid partnerships. Sure, that's that's all also all very true. Um, I think you would say the biggest outlet that's covering MMA now is ESPN, yep. and there's a reason that they cover it that way. And they're not going to, you know, they're they're also not going to act that way. They're very very tied. In fact, if you you know, ESPN will tell you that UFC produces the broadcast, which they do, and then the UFC will say, well, it's on ESPN, and they'll just kind of send you in circles and send you back and forth there. Like they they are very very connected. And then there's there's a couple people that you know. It sucks to say it, but they cover MMA, and, and they're kind of at the mercy of the UFC. And you know, they basically have to um, you know, play the game if they want to be able to continue to cover and make a living. And that's, that's where the sport still kind of is in terms of media coverage. So that's a factor as well. All those things are out there. And, and then you know, you've got the fact that, hey, TMZ did Dana White a huge favor, and they released the video and his statement at the same time and just said, hey, here, here it is, it's over. You know, what else is there to do? Can you go talk to Dana White? No, he's on vacation still. He already put a statement. He can say, I've already talked about it. And, you know, TMZ kind of really helped out in terms of, you know, managing the messaging uh, with the deal that they have in place with the UFC. So there, there's all these interconnected relationships here that are playing a factor in why it's not talked about more. Adam Hill from the RJ, Las Vegas Review Journal, also part of the company here on ESPN Las Vegas. Um, I think it's really interesting you said play the game that the media has to play the game. You guys don't cover MMA like you used to. Is no. that part of it, that there's a game to be played? Uh, no. It's the fact that we live in a world now that you you cover things that people read. And there's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of interest in reading about it. If Conor McGregor fights or John Jones fights or Ronda Rousey comes back, then yes, uh, that's what people want to read, and that's what they'll, that's what they'll do. But... You know, people that complain that certain things are covered or not covered, like, the consumer is very, very powerful in the media world. Like, what is covered is what people will read or watch. Right. And if you stop reading it, then we're not going to cover it anymore. And that's kind of where, where it is right now. Be interesting to see how much you guys cover the XFL. I know you're fired up about it. I, mean, I know you want to cover it a lot. And we finally got the announcement. The uh, Vegas right. Vipers are going to play at Cashman. Yeah. Well, I mean, I enjoy going to lights games there, so I'm assuming I'm going to enjoy going to see the Vipers games there. Um, behind the scenes info that you have, um, who else was a candidate? Were there other top choices? How did Cashman wind up being the spot? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, scheduling, right? Where, 
the the lights were able to come up with a schedule where they're not really at home for a while, and you can just use it as a football venue. And the lights will have their first home game, you know, a couple weeks after they maybe expected to. Uh, but they allow they allow basically the Vipers to be a primary tenant where they can run it and do what they want to do with it. Um, I, I do believe the LV Ballpark in Summerlin was the top choice. Um, but they were going to have to, you know, potentially just send the aviators on the road for like the first month and a half of the season. I don't think that was going to happen. Uh, in fact, I know that wasn't going to happen. Uh, Sam Boyd is complicated by the fact that there is kind of some some deals in the works that would prevent a football team from playing there. Uh, that was part of the deal to build Legion Stadium. So I don't know that Sam Boyd was ready anyway, and I don't know that they wanted Sam Boyd because it is far away and you know a bit antiquated at this point. Um, but that wasn't going to happen either. So there weren't a whole lot of options out there. Cashman, I, I think, makes sense from a location perspective. I love going games down there. I know that there is shortcomings. I know one of them is locker rooms, which are not going to be adequate for football games to be played at the professional level. But they uh, came up with a solution for that, and they're, uh, they've got that being solved right now as we speak. So that was, to me, the biggest issue of how they were going to do it there. But I, I enjoy downtown. I like Cashman. I don't have a huge problem with it. I would have liked to see it at LV Ballpark. I think that would have been fun to watch, but uh, it just wasn't going to work logistically. Adam, i got to come full circle and finish up with uh, two more notes on Dana White. We're talking to uh, Adam Hill about the Dana White uh, Cabo story from a couple of days ago and ESPN finally speaking on it today with Molly Karam and uh, Stephen A. Smith. Molly uh, taking Ann White to task uh, in what she said. There is another fight league that is connected to Dana White and that is the Slap Fighting League. Yes, folks, there actually is a Slap Fighting League. They're right now recording a reality show. I don't know if it's in the exact same style as their Ultimate Fighter show of, uh, of the past. What's going to happen with the Slap Fighting? Because um, that is not an ESPN partnership. If I'm correct, it's a TBS partnership. And I was reading something from one of our buddies, A.J. Perez, who said the uh, schedule looks like it changed a little bit with the debut for the Slap Fighting League. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be next Wednesday was the first one. Looks like they might not do that, but I did still see some promotion from the UFC side for it. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think I think the strategy right now on the UFC side and on TBS side and the ESPN side is just wait it out, let other things happen, let other things be talked about, and then just kind of go back to go back about your normal routine. That that seems to be what the plan is. Uh, so I, I'd imagine maybe they push it back a week. Maybe they start it, you know, at a different time. Who knows? Um, I, I will admit, the first thing I thought when I saw the white video was that it was a some sort of viral promo. I, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw the video. Um, I did check with people to make sure that was not the case uh, before I wrote anything about it. But um, it just seems, you know, as a wild, you know, a wild situation where you'd have a video released of him and his wife slapping each other and then the slap fighting league starting right after that uh, seems kind of, you know, crazy uh but it's not related according to everyone that i talked to so um you know I, I would hope that they wouldn't make some sort of promotional thing out of it but you never know um it is to me the slot fighting league is something that should never have been sanctioned they should not be doing it why not um, i'm disturbed but it's it's it, just watch it it's not professional no no no, no I've, I've i've watched it i was going to follow up and ask you am i a horrible person for wanting to watch it because yeah. i can only yes i can only imagine the jabronis that they've got in this show who want to slap the you-know-what out of each other. Because uh, if you think fighters, and I don't believe fighters are you know all the same and you know they're not all cretins, um, there are a lot of smart fighters and highly educated fighters. 
these flat fighting thing, I, the people who get into this, I can only imagine being introduced to these guys. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I don't want to write about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to see it. Um, you got an I opening? Don't think, I don't think it should have been sanctioned. I think I, I, I had a real problem with the day the, day the Nevada Athletic Commission passed it. I, I was disturbed by that, and I thought that was the wrong decision. Um, it's, uh, I, it, it's more, it's like, hey, how can we have more brain damage and pay the athletes less? Let's do slap fighting. Um, it's, it's disturbing to me. And look, if people want to watch it, watch it. I, that's fine, whatever. I won't be. As Lotus Broadcasting and LV Sports Network's Slap Fighting Insider, I would disagree with you. <laughs> you're mad. <laughs> when were you going to roll that out, though? You're the insider. I, I've, I, I had, a, that. had a PowerPoint pitched, ready to go for <laughs> you two. You all ready to go? Yeah. Adam just shot it down. All right, Adam. Thank you. Appreciate it, buddy. Yep. I'm going to slap you later, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a reality show. I can only imagine what the show is I mean, going to be. And, that, and that's the one, right? You know what? The show might not be at all, because who knows? Uh, TBS could just say, hey, we don't want to be in the Dana White business. Right. I don't think that's going to be the final call, but you know they, they did make an interesting move, uh, at least pushing it back a week. A week. Might be unrelated. Maybe it's not ready to go. A week. For all of us to forget and then move on, and then we just go on with our happy lives, forget anything ever happened, and watch slap fighting. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Three six four eleven hundred giveaway time. Caller seven. Collective Soul in town at the Palms, the Pearl. That's Saturday the fourteenth. Collective Soul. You want to go see Collective Soul? Ari's got your hookup. Three six four eleven hundred. Three six four one one zero zero. Going to talk a little college football in less than ten minutes with our college football insider Michael Felder, part of the Learfield podcast family you can find them on twitter at in the bleachers so during that break i don't know what you were scouring the internet for i was looking at nfl updates on what's going to happen with the bills the bengals the seating in the afc we still don't have an answer no why is this taking so long Sensitive topic, a lot of logistics. Maybe you're trying to check every box, see if you can. I mean, I would Do assume. Do I jump to the conclusion that there is a war right now amongst power brokers around the NFL about what to do, and they just can't settle it? I mean, maybe. I think it's more about, hey, this was a very impactful game. Let's make sure we explore every avenue to see if we can get this thing played because it did really matter. And you do have the option, and it's not the option because, again, I don't know the specific logistics of everything. You are a sport which has a week off between your champ, your your conference yep. championship games and your championship game, which you could use to facilitate something needed. That's to my play favorite this idea. Game. Right now, again, you keep using the word logistics. Maybe that's a big issue because that plan would have the Bills and Bengals play next week, with the NFC playoffs going down. The following week, the AFC playoffs. Then we start getting back to normal, but that means now we've had to push the whole thing back a week, and championship weekend is the Pro Bowl weekend. Right. But it's a very complicated deal, but at least everyone plays, right? And we have real playoff seating. The, 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 just calling it a no contest creates tons of problems. And I, I don't like the one that you, you – know, I don't know that you suggested it, but, but, it, but it's, a, it's a point out there that they're, you know, they're going to whoever would wind up as the one and two – you know, after the tie, well, the seeds are determined at that point by win percentage. Whoever won in two would have a choice between 
you know, you can you can be at home or you can get the bye. You can't have both. And by the way, that would be Kansas City or Buffalo. It wouldn't include Cincinnati. If they go to win percentage, Cincinnati's eliminated from contention for the one seed, and it's very unlikely that they get the two. Which isn't fair either. Right. Hard situation. Hmm? But guess what? I don't make $35 million. I just I comment on the NFL. I don't run it. But Raj has got to come up with something here. Whoever tells Raj, I mean, come on. Can this wait until after these games? I think so. Okay. I mean, through the week. I mean, look, at the end of the day, right, we're talking about one single game. We're not talking about a week of action. We're talking about one game. You, you have these games scheduled for this week. Take care of your schedule this week. Think of what you need to. And then once this week is over, you know, announce whatever you want on Monday, what you're going to do, whatever it is. Coming up, Michael Felder, let's uh, get you ready for the national title game on Monday and look back at the semifinals and what exactly happened to both Michigan and I was going to say poor Ohio State. I don't feel bad for the Buckeyes. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3 to 6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s with Cofield and company. What a great day here at Silver 7s. If you come on down before the end of the show, you can sign up to potentially win a pair of Vegas Golden Knights tickets against the Red Wings. That game is at the Fortress on January 19th. Michael Felder, college football expert, up here in less than a minute. So we got a winner in for Collective Soul. We got a lot of prizes, a lot of prizes. VGK tickets, you know what? You can sign up down here. Stop on in. We've also got a pair on the phones right now. Ariel hook you up here. AXS.com is where you get your Vegas Golden Knights tickets. It's for the Saturday game. So before that Red Wings game, the Saturday game, Oilers, Edmonton in town, 7 o'clock start. Saturday, 114axs.com. Ari's got a pair of tickets right now. 364 364 So Michael Felder patiently waiting. Well, Mike, it was about three weeks ago. You and I talked about Bobby Petrino and kind of a adventurous hire by UNLV, and he did it, man. He Bobby Petrino, he did it again. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to Texas A&M. Like, this is one of those things that just, you know, I think it, there's a couple different levels. One, he did the thing that he's already done before and has done a couple times before. And then the other part for me is, is look, if you're Jimbo Fisher and you're supposed to be this great offensive mind, great quarterback whisperer, and you've got to bring in this guy, like, clearly – you, you, it's either you you feel like you've lost your fastball or you want to take something off your plate so you have somebody else to blame. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it prove the point that no matter, you know, how old, how many, uh, how much equity you have as an offensive or defensive guy, to be a head coach, you really, you need help. You have to have true coordinators. You can't do it all. Yeah, you, you can't do it all. But I also think it's, here's the thing. I, I think the bigger thing for me is less that you can't do it all but when do you recognize you can't do it all? And for Jimbo, for most of his career, it felt like he could do it all. And then, and obviously Florida State fans were, were frustrated by it in the whole deal. And then you look at a guy like Dabo, and it didn't take him very long to realize, I won't get to have this job if I don't have somebody else come in and do something smart. So Petrino leaves UNLV. What does it say to the the little guys, a group of five, about budgets? I mean, it's a stark reminder, once again, that, even with coaches, I mean, players, you need a, a budget, a recruiting budget. It's hard to get uh, guys to stay on your roster with the transfer portal. But with coaches, I mean, when someone comes calling with whatever, 800000 900000 a million, there's coordinators making over $2 million, it's hard to keep coaches at the group of five level. 
it is hard. And, and let's let's be honest, though. This guy's a mercenary. He's an absolute merc. Like he's out there. Just he's we listen. We I my first week at Bleacher Report was the week of the motorcycle accident. That was my first week working like full time college football, and that was the beat that I got put onto was that the 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 the, the motorcycle accident and how, the cover up and the whole deal and unveiling everything. So this guy's a mercenary, and I think at the end he's a really good coach. He's a very good football coach, but. I think at the end of the day, yes, the budgets are interesting. I'm very curious to see what the playoff does with respect to the budget and how it changes things, if it changes anything, uh, because everybody's going to get more money. And at this, at, listen, we all, listen, I'm not going to pretend like I'm some economist, but if everybody gets more money, the people that already had the money will keep having more money than the people with that got less money before. So I'm very curious to see what this looks like. Yeah, I also think we're building a system where – uh, there's the ability now to allow more money into your school at the group of five level. So I think there's going to be people who buy themselves to the big boy table and that yeah. may upset people, but that's the way it's going to be. And we'll build on that as a conversation moves along. Uh, Michael Felder's with us. He does a, a great weekly newsletter and it's more than weekly because he puts up multiple posts. It's Felder. It's now on Substack. You want to sign yeah. up for that subscribe. It's freaking awesome. It comes right to your email. And one of the things I noticed in the uh, one of the additions this week was you talking about uh, Georgia and Ohio State, and you mentioned the Tampa two. Why the Tampa two? Because uh, Georgia caught Ohio State playing Tampa two, and I don't think a lot like everybody hears Tampa two. We've all heard Tampa two since from the Bucks to the Bears and the whole deal, and it got them to Super Bowls. And the Bucks won a Super Bowl with it, and the, the the Bears, you know, they lost that Peyton Manning Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I don't think folks realize Tampa two is cover three. Tampa two is cover three. It's Two safeties over the top with a linebacker running the shoot. And if your linebacker can't run that shoot, which is what Tommy Eichenberg had a really rough time doing against Arian Smith, whoo, you're in trouble because those safeties are split out too wide to help you or focused too low to help you. So that's why I wanted to get that in there. It was one of those plays over the course of the weekend, that uh, last weekend, if you will, that, that just stood out to me as like, oh, this is something that people should pay attention to, people should learn about. And then I also did some cheesy corn because um, my wife and I, were, I'll be honest, my wife and I, listen, you're, you're a Vegas guy. So my wife and I were watching Guy Fieri. We're watching diners, drive-ins, and dives. And he keeps talking about having this cheesy corn that he's never had. And I was like, dude, I make this all the time. <laughs> I've been making this. And she was like, okay, you don't have to keep saying it every time he says he's never had it. But a nice cheesy corn recipe. So very fun, very cool. Like I just, I'm having a good time. And Substack, a little bit more interface, a little bit more. It's easier. Like, you don't have to go into Facebook to get to it. So a lot more people are are, are, are checking it out because they don't have to go into Facebook to comment or to like or to get into it. You know, for me, college football is weird. I, li I love it, but I also get frustrated at the coverage of it. And I'm so glad yeah. the Final Four turned out two competitive games because yep. I just don't think even to the media level that people will do their homework. It's this national sport, but it's kind of regional because of the conferences and man, there, there are so many nuances within a game that I think people miss and then forget when we look back on the season. Cause we hear all the time, Oh, there's no balance. There's balance. Uh, lots of teams can knock off the best programs. And there were a couple of things in the, the Georgia game uh, and Ohio state that you, you just mentioned one of them to Tampa too. The other thing, that I've seen a couple people write about. There was a key moment. Ohio State's up 11 uh, on Georgia. It's the fourth quarter. Ohio State, you know, for all the criticism we can throw at Ryan Day for the way he approached that final field goal attempt, 
they were going for a fourth and one on their own 34. They were yeah. running a fake. And again, this is nuance, but the Georgia coaches, maybe Kirby Smart didn't recognize it, but someone on his staff looked at it and they're like, holy crap, they're going for it. We have to call a timeout. And at that yep. moment, you're like, not a big deal. But if they get that fourth and one on their own 34, that may have ended the game. Yeah, it, it's that play. It's the Marvin Harrison Jr. in the back of the end zone as C.J. Stroud's falling backwards. That throw, that could also end the game. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, the big thing for me is Ohio State was good enough to win that football game. They played well enough to win it. Obviously, at the end of the game, we're going to focus in on the kicker, but you hit two critical points that could have ended that game for them. And I, I, I think that Georgia's, it's, Georgia looks more looked more vulnerable than they have most of the season, and we do have to acknowledge that. Like, this is a team that's bit of, that they're gettable. And what the big key is going to be, can TCU take advantage of it? Can TCU get them? I don't understand Ryan Day with the bravado about 99% of the time doing what he did down the stretch. But so many coaches do this. When they make a run, they get a little over comfortable. And, you know, playing for a field goal and running on that first down, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here like idiots did on social media calling him a coward, saying he needs to be fired, but. I just don't get it. I hope he learned his lesson. I mean, when you have a chance to go for national championships, you got to go for it. You owe it to the kids. Yeah, I, I I think that's the key point. You owe it to the kids. And the big thing for me was, one, seeing C.J. Stroud use his legs both in the pass game and in the run game was huge. Um, You just – you got to find a way to get your team closer. You got to find a way to get closer. Make this an easy field goal. Make this something that you can do to take advantage of it. Uh, but, they, listen, it's a tough spot to be in. And you're up against Kirby. And Kirby, Kirby's been in those spots a lot more than you have. A lot more than you have. And so Kirby's calm. Kirby's figuring it out. And he's putting the pressure on you. It's 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 literally it's 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 like the thing that you do like with the kid, right? Where you're like, you know, as an adult that they're not gonna like either of these options, but I'm gonna give them two options they don't want. And, <laughs> and then they're gonna have to pick between the two. And we'll go from there. And Kirby, Kirby made him do that. I thought that was really, really, really smart on his part. Michael Felders with us. We're talking college football, getting ready for the title game on Monday. Michigan is not there. And, you know, there's a couple things that come out of the game. First of all, TCU was a lot better than mm -hmm. many people gave them credit for. It's a really good college football team. But I think a couple things come out of it. Michigan's defense just was not good enough. And the other thing is, while McCarthy is a solid quarterback, uh, Harbaugh's got to get to the next level. I mean, they were a dominant team and a, and a great team. To win national championships, I don't think you can do it with an ordinary quarterback who makes mistakes. And J.J. McCarthy wasn't supposed to be ordinary. That's the thing. He wasn't supposed to be ordinary. He's supposed to be special. And we saw, I'm going to say, three, four beats of him running around where he did look like he could be special. I think that ultimately this is very similar to uh, Will Muschamp. I think, he, I think Jim Harbaugh's got his hands around the throat of this offense. And these guys can't breathe. They're so worried about being specifically perfect that they can't improvise. There's no improvisation. I think about it the same thing with Shea Patterson when Shea went there and he didn't let Shea run. Shea was at his best when he was at Ole Miss, just kind of doing whatever. And I think that's the part that Harbaugh has to figure out. And I I, I will I I will pull no punches on this. He's supposed to be a quarterback guru, a quarterback whisperer. Outside of Andrew Luck in college, what what has he done? What is it? What has he done? He hasn't done anything. 
Right. And now we've got a national title game with two guys. You just said, you know, McCarthy's supposed to be great. Uh, Duggan against Bennett and Bennett does not get enough credit. He is a sure. all time great college football quarterback. He comes through in the biggest moments, throws a beautiful ball. Is Duggan the biggest hope for TCU, especially now that, listen, their backup running back went in there and had a good game, but they're starting running back who rushed for 1,400 yards is probably not going to play in this game. How much of this game for TCU you know, relies on hinges on the play of Max Duggan to be not just good but spectacular? Yeah, I, listen, Kendra Miller being questionable is – that's huge. I'm, I'm actually going to get to talk to um, uh, Brian Eskridge, TCU play-by-play guy. Because uh, hopefully I can get some insight on that a little bit later today, and then I'll, you know, I'll shoot you a DM if I find anything out. But <laughs> at the end of the day, DeMarcado was awesome. They called his number and he showed up. Max Duggan did not play a good game on on on, on Saturday night. He didn't play a good game. This is a guy that was fourteen for twenty nine. That's under fifty percent passing. He threw two interceptions, and I will say this: those interceptions were not his fault. They were both tip ball interceptions. So. I, I think that Duggan has the opportunity to do that. And listen, we talked about it coming out of championship weekend, right? Where I thought his performance was maybe the most kind of gutty, like tough guy. And I'm going to use all the cliche words, but he, listen, he showed a lot of heart, showed a lot of spine in that performance to get them back into that game against Kansas state and then have an opportunity to win. They ultimately lost, but they got, he got them into overtime. So I think he is absolutely critical, but I also think that, we didn't see any Savion Williams in that in the game against Michigan. We didn't see much of Tay Barber in the game against Michigan. If it was up, if it's me making the call, if it's me saying what's the most important thing, yes, Duggan has to play well. Uh, yes, DeMarcado has to duplicate a thing that we didn't even know he, if he could do. But I think Savion Williams and, and Tay Barber are the most important pieces in this game because those are guys that can be people beaters. And we saw with Ohio State, Go have two guys over 100 yards receiving. We saw them go and make plays. You got to have somebody else that's not Quentin Johnston make plays, and I think it's Williams, and I think it's going to be Tay Barber. I'm stoked for this game. I see a lot of people complaining because, again, they don't know TCU. Even sure. though TCU is in the Big 12, they feel like TCU is an outsider, a little guy. I think college football is in a great place right now. We're seeing an example here of TCU getting the invite up to Power 5 investing in the program it took a little while it also took a ballsy move getting rid of a legendary veteran coach and gary patterson after a five-win season they make the right hire everything comes together this is awesome so i think college football is in a good place but then i'm reading uh today story up on cbs sports oh can we move forward like this college football tampering um and i understand you know jeff trailer and uh what dickert up at um washington state very frustrated i get it I get it. But, guys, this has been going on forever. Uh, the complaint is, hey, schools are recruiting straight off our rosters. It's it's not comfortable. It sucks. It makes your job harder. Is there something we can do, or is this just a reality now, and you got to adjust, and guess what? Then you have to kind of do the same thing um, to other programs. If you don't want to do that, you just got to work harder, and you got to locate more players who are below you or above you who want playing time out of the portal. Well, that's here's this is the and that's what I was going to get to. So, yes, this is this is the new normal. This is what happens. The other thing, listen, when I was in college, I was not getting in the game. I had multiple coaches go through back channels and be like, "Hey, man, if you want to transfer, we'd love to have you here." That's already happened. Yeah, and yeah. I'm talking 2004. 
Okay. Right? And, 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 and again, mention who you were on the North Carolina roster. I was, a, I was a backup's backup. I was a scout team guy. I was a guy that was high. I was not highly touted coming out of high school. I was a, I lived in limbo land where I could have, yes, I could have gone to Wake Forest, Duke, could have gone to ECU, could have gone to Navy, could have gone to Army, could have gone to Northwestern. And Wofford was hot, hot on my tail. And I got to UNC and I thought I was going to play my way into it. Wasn't really playing. But then, you know, you get a strength coach who's like, hey, man, I got a friend that's at Hampton. They're really, they really would love for you to transfer there. I got a friend that's in Boone, would love for you to go there. We got to, like, you get all these things. It's already, it was already happening. Now the kids actually have a little more power, a little more freedom to move around. And that's the part that's making coaches complain nonstop. I mean, if you're looking at what's going on at Oklahoma State with Mike Gundy, it sounds like these kids don't like him. <laughs> and once one decides to leave, um, right. multiples are leaving, and they've lost, I think, three or four wide receivers. They've lost multiple defensive backs. They're losing their best pass rusher. They lost their quarterback. They lost their starting running back. And it's one of those things where you got to do something where you make it, you make guys want to stay. And I think that's something that a lot of coaches, because they use the idea of a power five uh, playing time or a power five spot, they use that to hold kids hostage. And now those kids are like, oh, I can yeah. play anywhere else okay. and I won't sit out. So I don't have to stay here with you. I can go somewhere else. And so you have to, I don't know. Listen, ask Nick Saban if he's got a problem with it because he doesn't. You know why? Right. Because he gives his kids an incentive to stay. He makes them want to stay. Ask Clemson if they do that. I listen, and I'm not even going to just go to the top. Like let's go. Let's let's live in the TCU, a team obviously now playing for a national championship game, but they didn't have a ton of kids that want to leave. Those kids want to stay. Why? Because even with the coaching change, they real they figured out a way to make guys want to stay. And that's the part that's great. Oregon State, another school where those kids want to stay. They like Jonathan Smith. They want to play for him. And so you've got to make yourself not a dictator, not a monarch. You've got to make yourself somebody that kids want to play for. And it's not just my way or the highway. It's we're going to work together to build this vision that we have so that we can get to the goals that we want to achieve. Look it up. It's Felder, Substack. Sign up. Sign up for the entire year. That's the best bargain going. There are great notes. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the corn cheese, uh, not taking it from Guy Fietti, but uh, he had already been making it. But great food items up there. Mike, we appreciate it. Uh, glad you're with us uh, here in 2023 and enjoy the title game. Dude, it's always great to talk to you, Cofield. Uh, you guys take it easy and enjoy the title game. Michael Felder with a brilliant point there on some of the old dinosaurs around college football. Evolve or go bye-bye or kids just don't want to play for you. 364-1100. Giveaway time. 364-1100. So much going on right now. we got the Raiders game this weekend. Saturday, not Sunday. Saturday. Fox Sports Radio on the scene, silver and black after party, two VIP packages. This includes free entry for you and your buddies, some free drinks as well. You get a table. You're right in the middle of the action at Crazy Horse. they got drink specials, great kitchen there. It is right across the street on Russell, right across the street from the Al, and we're going to get you and some friends in. we got two of those VIP packages right now. Ari will hook you up. Three, six, four, 1100. Crazy Horse, three after the Raiders game. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. 
only on ESPN Las Vegas. So, good deal tomorrow. We're going to be all over the place. Treasure Island is the spot tomorrow. John Von Tobel and Adam Hill will be manning the set at Treasure Island. I will be in lovely Albuquerque. It's one of my favorite road trips. Big game for UNLV basketball against Albuquerque. Against Albuquerque. Against Mexico and Albuquerque. Saturday. Before we get out of here, maybe I'm laying the groundwork for craziness tomorrow in terms of subject matter. You are just talking some... I hope you tell that story early in the show tomorrow because I'll, I'll probably join you guys like 3.45, 4 o'clock. Great drive-through story, right? And I, I, and I have a driving story. We can, we can do that tomorrow. It's a tease ahead if we remember. I, you know, a few hours ago I had an interesting observation in the, uh, the men's room, right? So, one, I walk in and I'm going towards a urinal and I see there's a, you know, there's a fella doing you know, number two in one of the stalls. And... I'm getting ready to go number one, and I hear, like, I hear noises, but it was, like, noises of relief. It was, like, really enjoying getting whatever excrement the the guy had to get out of his body. It was, like, I've never heard noises like this. Like, really having a good time. Not, like, like not, not pain, but, like, enjoying himself. Then I look down, and I'm like, ah, damn it. I'm like, someone peed on the floor again, which... Yeah, we, we, that's... we are animals. No one can hit the urinal. How? It's all over the floor. Um, I went. I finished. I, like I, I, I half did a good thing. I grabbed a bunch of paper towels. No. And I threw them on the floor, and I wiped it up with my feet, but I didn't pick up the paper towels. Now, keep in mind, I'm also trying out new sneakers today to break them in. So I took them out in the rain today and then cleaned up piss with, a, with some paper towels. Am I a bad person for not finishing the job and picking up the paper towels and leaving them for the staff to pick it up? Like, I just, I just wanted to dry it so it wasn't so unsettling for the next person. But I didn't finish the job. I actually just kind of added to the work. No, I don't think you're a bad person. Okay. I've had an instance like that before. I actually, at my old, my old job back in the day when I worked at uh, Red Rock up in, of course, Summerlin, I used to go to, because I knew what internal maintenance schedules was, and they would always clean the bathroom by the sports book, for those who know the outlight, right? Yeah, the bathroom yeah. by the sports book. They would clean it, I think, like right around like like 11 or so. Oh, that's good knowledge. Right. So any time I had to two, you know, I would go right at that time. That's when I would take my bathroom break. They did not that time. And I opened the stall, and somebody just missed the toilet and laid a giant deuce on the U-bend of the toilet as wow. opposed to the actual toilet Alarming, itself. folks. It's real life. I'm sorry. I, uh, sorry we're uh, upsetting you going into your Thursday evening. Unlike Steve. We've all, we've all seen it. I did not take a paper that's towel. A, that's a tough one. Try to push it in. That's a tough one. I was like, nope, and I turned around and left. <laughs> Why are you so rude? Can't you be more civilized and, and clean up after people? You, 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 everybody out there, you. I'm talking to you. You know who you are. You're, you're an, you are. You're animals. You're disgusting. There are a lot of animals, man. What does your bathroom at home look like? Boy, that's a topic for another day. Can you imagine? Oh, no. That's why I don't wear shoes in my house either. Wait, what? Well, people wear their shoes around the house. Imagine what you step in when you just go to the bathroom. I know. I'm going to track it all in the house today. Right. I'm going to go barefoot out of the car in the driveway. Right. You're right. That's a good point. <laughs> I didn't even thought of that. I just I just cleaned up urine with my shoe. I'm going to walk right in the house. And when you walk in the... Quick, 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 quick. 
Walk in, lay down tracks. The cats are licking it. Oh, what a gross night is on the way. Why'd you even mention that? Thanks to Silver Sevens. I'm sure they're like, yeah, thank you guys. Great show. Good ending to the show. Come on down here. VGK Hockey's coming up at 7 o'clock. Puck drops, 77-cent beers. Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. We'll see you.